We're going to talk a lot this morning about unity and what that looks like. And I didn't get a chance to say this to the first service, so I say it to you guys. Uh, I'm going to model that. I'm going to just step out by faith and model a little unity right now before we even dive into the word. In that uh, I'm going to love you guys right where you are. Being that I noticed you guys were an ESV church. <laughs> and I was reading out of the NIV this morning, but that's okay. If you guys are not international yet, you've been reading the word and <laughs> hadn't, you know, broadened your horizon, that's okay. I love you in your Englishness. <laughs> but uh, again, thanks for being here. Let's go before the throne of grace one more time. Lord, we just thank you uh, for this opportunity to gather as your people to worship you. We pray, Lord, that we would do so, do so now in spirit and in truth. That the Holy Spirit would now uh, and again be evident in our midst so that he would work in our hearts and our minds so that we would be receptive to what the Spirit has to say to the church this morning. So be with us, Lord. Be merciful. We need to hear and we need to receive. And we cannot do these things without you. So uh, just block out whatever may be hindering us so that we can hear your word and that that word will take root in our hearts and our minds and uh, bear good fruit for many, many years to come. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. And I'll begin by reading God's word. Paul writing says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul, another follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, and still another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. And just for a few moments, we want to ask the question, who do you represent? When I thought about that word, who, who do you represent, or that question, I'll say, uh, I thought about something that may be a little bit unpopular. I thought about elected officials. Uh, any elected officials in the house? Uh, and I asked the first service, nobody uh, dared to raise their hand. So uh, uh, this is not meant to be derogatory, uh, but it's the example that I'm gonna use and we'll go with it. But elected officials, when you think about what all that uh, uh, encompasses, here are people that have been elected by a group of people to represent the best interests of that group. And these people, in theory, are supposed to work with other elected officials, not to represent themselves or their own interests, 
but the good and the welfare of those that they represent. And so when I thought about that, I thought about us as the people of God, because guess what? We, too, have been elected. And I expect everybody in the Presbyterian church to know what that is all about. <laughs> but we've been elected by God, and that means something. Because like elected officials, we, too, have been called not to represent our own interests, but the interests of the one who has called us to represent his will, his purpose, not our own. Colossians 3, 12 and 13 remind us of this fact when Paul writes, put on then as chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. But oftentimes, the sad reality, even for the people of God, those who have been chosen to be in the body of Christ, we can so easily drift to a point where we begin to be more concerned about our own interests, our own preferences, and then we're headed down the road of division. And when we are divided, along lines of self-interest, we become less effective in carrying out the mission that we have been called to carry out, a mission that has been given to us by Christ. And specifically today, the mission to maintain the unity that has been given to us by Christ. We didn't establish it. It has been given to us by Christ as brothers and sisters called into this one body. You see, when we allow preferences to become more important than the priority to love and walk in unity with our brothers, we are headed for trouble. In our text, the Corinthians have already uh, gone down that road. They're in some trouble and they've within the church form parties and cliques and uh, all of this uh, ha has arisen because of the supposed superiority of various Christian leaders within the church. We see in the text there was the Paul party, the Peter party, and the Apollos party, and, and, and this very spiritual group called the Jesus party. I don't know what they were doing, but th they were very spiritual, I would uh, assume. But these divisions had shattered the unity of this local congregation, created dissension. And like them, we don't just have four parties that divide us today within the church. It seems over the years that things that divide us have multiplied and multiplied and multiplied thousands and thousands of times over. And we have allowed ourselves to be defined by other things other than the one who has called us. We're defined by other things than what he has called us to represent. And as believers, again, we have been called to maintain a unity that is anchored in Christ and his word. And yes, there will be times that we will have to divide from people who call themselves Christian. I mean, in situations where people are claiming to be brothers and they are just walking in complete error and untruth, People are ordaining and sanctioning what God has forbidden. Yes, that is a legitimate time to pack your bags and 
separate, you know, of course, after attempts to reconcile. But what we want to talk about today are those things that aren't core to the gospel. There are some things that are just black and white, and then there are other things that are just preferences. It's what I like. And we don't need to be divided along those lines because it will cause disunity within the church. So the first thing we see in the text is the unity of Christ. Christ is one. In verse 13, Paul asks the Corinthians, is Christ divided? The reason Paul asked such a question is that Paul recognized that unity in the church is vital because unity, unity models perfectly to the world the unity that exists within the Godhead itself. A church that is splintered by, by disputes so that its members are at odds, dividing and competing with one another, ignores the fact that Christ has called us to be perfectly unified in love and fellowship. You remember the words of uh, Jesus in John 17, 20 and 21, the high priestly prayer. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I don't know if you ever really thought about that and let that sink in. You know, failure to walk in unity not only is a misrepresentation of who God is, when we are not together as the one body, it makes it difficult for the world to believe the message of Christ. And the church of Corinth was dishonoring God by the presence of division. They were dishonoring God because they had forgotten what we read earlier in our service. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Remember, we serve Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. And the church, the body we have been called into, is many members, but it is but one body. So we see the unity of Christ is necessary for us to stay aboard the right ship. Secondly, we see the centrality of Christ. If the church is to be one body, Christ and Christ alone must be its foundation. Colossians 1.18 says, he also, the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Christ is the source and the focus of our faith. The Corinthians had allowed themselves to exalt their preferences for human leadership to a position that only Christ should have occupied. You see, to put it in kind of a modern day application, it would be like us saying today, you know what, I'm a Presbyterian Christian, I'm a Baptist Christian, I'm a charismatic Christian, or I'm a Calvinistic Christian, or an Armenian Christian. Any use of such terminology to identify ourselves and make that particular association or belief the defining element for our identity will lead to disunity within the body. 
Paul is arguing that Jesus and Jesus alone is the basis for Christian self-identification. These things are good. They have their place. But if we're leading our introduction to the world and to other brothers and sisters in Christ by our finer points of theology and what we prefer in terms of style of worship, we are headed down the wrong road. When I introduce myself to anyone, it needs to be, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a lover of the Lord. I love his word. All these other things, they have their place, but they are secondary secondary issues. And when we exalt leaders and denominations, traditions, experience, and politics, God forbid, to a level of priority, it will only divide us from other brothers and sisters in Christ, cause us to operate in mere human wisdom, which is nothing but foolishness in God's sight. You see, as for leaders and Final points of theology, these are simply tools, simply servants given to us by God. And if we are blessed through one of his servants or one of the tools and instruments he has given us, our praise is to go to the Lord. Not to the leader, not to the instruments of theology that he has given us to better understand our mission and our purpose. Our praise is to go to the Lord. There is one foundation and one foundation only. And if any group or individual rests its faith in all or in part on anything else other than Christ, we're making an unfortunate error. We're to live by God's wisdom, refusing to let any of our distinctives separate us from heartfelt fellowship with brothers and sisters who may have some non-essential differences, yet still own Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You see, Christ is our all in all, and he has made us all brothers, despite whatever our surface differences may be. And I've been guilty of this just as much as anyone else. Thinking myself a little bit better than someone else, because maybe I'm a little further down the road, at least in my opinion, you know, than somebody else. And how can they not see what I see? And that is wrong. That is wrong. We must avoid that because we're headed down the road of division and that's going to dishonor Christ and it's going to hinder our witness. You see, one of the issues that helps us stay divided, I believe, is our culture. And our culture is far more powerful, I think, than we are willing to recognize or even admit in shaping the way that we are and how comfortable we become operating a lot of times as a people who are divided but who have been called into one body. And see, what we've been inundated with in our culture is this idea that we have the God-given right to pursue liberty and happiness. And the way that we find happiness most often is we choose what best fits us. And in our society, there has arisen an innumerable amount of options that promises to bring us happy and the ch happiness. And the church has also fallen prey to this by offering uh, this promise that 
I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need in order to achieve happiness. And again, one of the reasons we do this from our earliest existence, we have been fed the idea, it is my fundamental right as a member of society to choose where I worship, when I worship, the style of worship, and with whom I will worship. And if our walk with Jesus is defined consciously or unconsciously by the norms of our culture, then it is quite acceptable to follow your own preferences and be divided even as a people of faith. To follow a road and, 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 and be divided by things like, do you immerse or do you sprinkle? Do you partake in alcohol? Do you abstain from alcohol? Drums and service, no drums. Are you pre-meal, post-meal, or a or, or, or meal in your eschatological views? Are you rolling with John Piper's camp, John MacArthur? Would you with R.C. Sproul, Tim Keller, or Eric Mason, Thabide Annuabile, or Tony Evans? Who's bandwagon? Are you a member of, because it's your fundamental right to choose who you rolling with? Prevailing Western cultural conditioning has taught us that we are free to choose. But when I read about those who have been elected by God, I don't know if we're so free to choose what the culture has told us we are free to choose. John 10, 16 says, I have sheep, other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know, when I read that verse, I have to ask myself a question. In light of what the good shepherd, the one who has called me, has said, I have to ask myself, would I be willing to leave where I'm most comfortable? The people with whom I am most comfortable? And particularly those who are not like me, who are not pursuing multi-ethnic ministry, if the Lord were to call me to do so for the sake of the gospel, would I be willing to do that? So it leads us to our last point, and that is the commission of Christ. See, there are many secondary issues that we can wrestle about, but we don't need to be divided over. But there is one thing that is crystal clear for the people of God, and that is the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Paul in verse 17 says that his first priority, first and foremost, was to preach the gospel. He even goes as far as to say, the Lord did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And Paul wasn't saying that baptism wasn't important, but baptism isn't worth being divided over. Not in light of what God has called us to as the people of God. He has called us to a message that bonds us together and unites those of us into one body from every tribe, nation, and language in loving fellowship. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called into one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all. And when I read things like that, it really makes me think about who I am and what I'm leading with as a follower of Christ. And for those of you, I think it's safe to say, or like me, who have a heart for maintaining unity across, across ethnic and cultural lines, we must remember to love those who are not where we are on this issue, who are yet members of the body of Christ. We must remember to love and pray for our brothers and sisters and support those in the body of Christ who don't value what we value. Those who don't vote like us, who don't think like us, and we wonder, how in the world do you not see this, what I see? Are you reading the Bible? What's going on with you, people? Because I, again, confess, I've been there. Makes me angry. How are you not seeing this? But I have to remember what the master has said in his word. We're to bear one another in love. We're to be forgiving to one another just as Christ has forgiven us. And remember how gracious God was with us because I don't know about you. I thank God that he didn't give up on me because when I look at myself for where I was when I came to faith in Christ, and where I am now, although I'm not where I need to be, God is really, really gracious with me. Really gracious. I can remember being called into the ministry, and uh, I, I, am, I, I am so thankful that those sermons don't exist anymore. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I thank God y'all never hear that stuff. I mean, it was... I, Praying for forgiveness all the time when I think about it for the poor people who had to hear that. But we got to remember, we're not all of that and we never will be. Not on this side of Christ's return. You see, those who are not where we are, those who don't embrace multi-ethnic ministry and unity, it is essential for those of us who do embrace it, to embrace them, those who don't, and be willing to love them where they are. Because if we don't, there's a chance that they may never see what we see if they don't see that we care and are working to maintain the unity that has been given to us as the followers of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and none of this makes sense. I mean, unity in Christ. Maybe you can take a few moments to do some soul searching because you may be in church, but maybe you're not connected to Christ. And you need to first be unified with him so that you can then be unified with your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Be unified today in heart and mind with Jesus Christ if you have not experienced new birth so that you can come into the family of faith and walk in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're disconnected from Christ today, I offer Christ to you. If you're already connected, I encourage you, dig deeper. Dig deeper so that you can love others as you have been loved by Christ. Christ says to us, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the promise we have in your word. And Father, I'm so thankful that you are faithful even when we are faithless. When we blow it over and over and over again, you still love us. You don't drive us away. You're like a father waiting for all of your prodigals to come home. So we thank you for just the grace of those of us who know you, who are in Christ. We have received a grace that we stand in, a grace that sustains a grace that promises us that even when we are weak, we are still strong because it is the power of Christ that will work in us and there's nothing that will overwhelm us or overcome us. And Lord, since we have been given such a precious, precious gift, help us, Lord, in ever increasing ways to love our brothers, those who are not like us, who don't see things quite the way that we do. Lord, we don't see things quite the way you do, but yet you love us, you're gracious, you provide for us. And Lord, if there's, again, anyone here today who does not know you, not walking in fellowship with you, they have not been born again, I pray that uh, your spirit will work in such a way that you would bring them out of darkness into your marvelous light and into the family of God. So help us wherever we are today be more like Jesus, be in fellowship with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.